You're listening to The Dugout, a college baseball match podcast. Today we spoke with Trinity University's head coach, Tim Scannell. Coach Scannell, it's great to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Um, You know, I wanted to start by talking about uh, having you kind of introduce yourself and give your bio, um, you know, just a little bit. You've obviously had a long career at Trinity, um, and I'd love to kind of talk about some of the successes that you've shared as well as, um, you know, kind of the 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 hype surrounded by this year. I, I noticed that you guys are currently ranked fourth, I believe, in the preseason poll for D3, and that's very exciting. Um, but, yeah, why don't you get started by talking about your bio? Well, I'm a... a- Boston native. Uh, I went to University of Maine and then transferred down to Northeastern University. We're um, really proud of what we got going at Northeastern and really proud of the baseball program it's become um, ever since we played back in the early 90s. Um, And so I got into coaching right away. My first job was at UMass Amherst. I worked for Mike Stone as a volunteer. I would actually drive out to UMass from Boston um, and commute which was, you know, really difficult. It could get upwards of, you know, three hours, two and a half hours with traffic. Then I was able to get back to Northeastern, love that. Um, and then because it was always a volunteer status, I ended up getting out of coaching for about a year and a half, two years. And uh, a real good friend of mine, a kid I competed with in high school um, named Pete Hughes, got the job down here at Trinity, and he convinced me to come down here. Um, truth be told, I came down to play golf and not coach. And uh, once I saw Trinity University, the campus, the facilities, uh, I had never really been around Division Three before. I was blown away with the talent level and, you know, ended up jumping back into coaching. And then as fate would have it, Pete left about two years into it and he went BC, Virginia Tech, University of Oklahoma, and he's currently at Kansas State. And I've been at Trinity uh, for about 21 seasons. Wow. And, you know, over that time, you uh, have gone to the playoffs multiple times. You've won a national championship. You've won multiple National Coach of the Year awards. So what has been the driver of the success that you've shared? So I think the driver is Trinity University. Um, It's an incredible school. It's, It's like when we talk to players and families on the phone, we're always trying to describe, you know, what this place is like. And I've always said we may not get a kid on a recruiting visit, but nobody leaves here and says that was a waste of time um, because it's really that impressive a university. So I think it starts with that. Um, we work really hard. Um, we we invest a ton of money in recruiting. We're an eyes-on uh, Division three program, meaning we recruit kids we go out and see. Um, and I think that's been a huge key to our success. We've been incredibly lucky to be basically at the ground floor of the Stanford All-Star Camp, which has always been a tremendous fit for us. We go to the Arizona Fall Classic, but then we see, you know, we see a ton of tournaments in California. We go to Chicago, Florida, and then obviously hit all of the Texas, you know, select tournaments. So this place should win. If you look at the other sports, it does win. Um, It's Mm -hmm. a pretty elite Division III setup. Yeah, I would most certainly say so. I mean, you had a, a streak where you went to the playoffs, um, or rather the tournament, uh, seven straight years in a row. Um, you know, it it seems as though, and then you also have won a national championship. So it definitely seems as though um, Trinity uh, is defined by its you know athletic excellence as well as, from what I understand, its academic excellence as well. 
And so what I find most interesting though is it's really tough to win consistently. And so I think as a coach, what have you learned over your 21, 22 years um, as head coach about how to try and win consistently? Because you rank top 10 among active coaches with overall win percentage at the D3 level. Yeah, I think it's a, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to defer first to talent because I really truly believe this. You know, I always kind of joke and say, you know, Joe Torrey wasn't a Hall of Fame manager when he was managing Atlanta Braves or Philadelphia Phillies or whoever he, he did until he got to the Yankees. So to be able to to bring in talent is really at the foundation of winning. And then behind it on the coaching end, I would say, you know, we really put an emphasis on winning, uh, working hard every day, competitive practices, teaching kids in practice what winning feels like and what losing feels like. So most of our practice formats have some type of consequence to the result and uh we keep it high energy a lot of fun uh but we're constantly raising the bar on players and so i think that probably creates a winning culture as well yeah most most certainly and what i found most interesting as i was kind of looking through your your bio is that you've had the opportunity to coach um, not only at different collegiate programs as well as the cape cod league but you've had the opportunity to coach major leaguers and those that went on to play professional baseball and so I feel like there's this uh, misnomer um, that if you want to play professional baseball, you need to go to a D1 program. And clearly your program most certainly bucks that trend and I think is uh, an exception to what people would assume is the rule. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, I, I think that in the end, that word that often falls into the line of, you know, cliche, but it, it really is about a fit. And so what we've done is we've made our program built off that fringe division one player. And, you know, what does that kid look like? What does that mean? I'm, I'm not really sure you can exactly describe it, but I know that when we get involved in the recruiting side of things, when we get kids that are getting looked at by academic schools like Davidson or even West Coast kids, and, and we they, we run into a lot of kids that might talk to a Gonzaga early on before mm -hmm. Gonzaga makes their final decisions, those are the type of kids that become really valuable to us. And uh, it's it's a funny process. It's hard, too, on both parties, the kid and the, the coaching staff, because the kid that shows initial excitement for Trinity oftentimes isn't the kid that matches our fit athletically, but we get the kid late in the spring that maybe held on hope for a division one opportunity. And then he goes, you know what? I, I can, I can chase my dreams out of Trinity's program. And that's kind of how we've built it. Yeah. And you know, we've, we've spoken to uh, Paul Kogan who works uh, as a scout um, and special advisor for the Dodgers. And he always has a saying of, you need to be on the field when your fruit ripens. And so, you know, yeah. as long as you're playing and you're winning, um, that's a big thing. And, and that's something that I think a lot of people need to put into their consideration. It, it's, it's kind of, you know, you kind of have to think about what type of, of college baseball career and college career do you really want? And it sounds as though, despite the fact that, you know, you guys are at, at a, what would be perceived as a lower division level, um, you're still winning consistently and you're still putting out uh, tremendous talent. Yep. No, I agree a hundred percent. You know, shifting gears a little bit, I'd love to kind of highlight your program. You kind of already talked a little bit about it, but first let's talk about, you know, what a, a day in the life looks like with one of your players. Well, I think, you know, because we're so academic and, and uh, it's funny, Trinity, um, 
you know, it used to be a Division One school through the 50s, 60s, 70s, and it left Division One somewhere in the late 70s. Um, it was a tennis powerhouse. Uh, its claim to fame was this was John McEnroe's only college loss happened at Trinity. Um, mm. So when it became Division Three, you know, it, I think it felt its way into Division Three, and then somewhere in the mid to late 90s, it started to become a real powerhouse in all its athletic programs. I think baseball was last to join in being a nationally recognized D3 program. So how we do it, what a day looks like, um, we're we're huge on the weightlifting side of things. We feel so lucky that um, we've been able to meet and know some of the best baseball strength coaches. So we actually get a big part of our program from Brian Gabriel, who coached at uh, strength coach at Coastal Carolina, and now he's at the University of Miami. He used to be our part-time strength coach at Trinity. Um, so a day would start with us opening the gym at like nine in the morning. Uh, kids are coming in and out of class, getting their weights in. As coaches, we go to the field at that time. And then we're on the field really all the way up to four o'clock trying to help kids who are going to miss portions of practice with hitting, live hitting, fungos, whatever it is. We're trying to meet their schedule, not the other way around. And so it's wow, long okay. hours, long hours on the field, um, but it's the only way to do it in Division Three because our classes are going to run, you know, from nine in the morning till really nine, nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, especially engineering and bio kids. And so we just made the commitment a long time ago to say, let's get on this field. If if you want live at bats, I'll find a pitcher that's going to throw a simulated scrimmage with an L screen and turtle. Um, if you just need BP, we're going to do that. If you want fungos and, and that's our day, um, the players come and go. And, uh, and then from four to about seven 30, that's our practice time. And in that time we're, we're trying to scrimmage and, and do everything else that a, a college practice does. So what I'm hearing you say is, uh, you guys have, have made it, um, obviously your commitment to be on the field in order to make it best for your players. And so they, you know, like you said, and I, I find it so Interesting because, you know, it's normally when I have this conversation, it's about trying to find a way for players to work around, you know, whatever schedules they have. But it sounds like you've kind of turned that on its head a bit. Yeah, we're the complete opposite. You know, it's like I'm going to do whatever that kid needs for him to keep getting better and keep getting that, you know, that that live swing or that BP swing or that fungo, you know, whatever it is, mm -hmm. I know that basically at our school, I don't want my players at practice where they're distracted because of school pressure. And then I'm mm -hmm. angry with them for their performance or whatever. And we don't, we have a lack of communication. And so what's morphed over 21 years is that we just say, look, we're going to treat you like an adult. You, you know, you're not going to pull the rug out from under us. Let's all be honest with each other. And, uh, and that's how we do it. We we practice all day long with individual players and then meet up as a team at about four o'clock. Interesting. That's that's really cool. Um, you know, you kind of already uh, touched on it. It sounds like you have, obviously have a very special place in your heart for the Trinity campus and facility. But what is your what do you like most about it? Um, I, I would say the, the beauty of the campus, I, I just find it to be a, a a really unique campus where we are in the heart of San Antonio. We are probably three and a half miles from downtown uh, San Antonio in the Riverwalk, and then we're about four miles from the airport. Um, but be 
you're in this major city right downtown, but when you come on our campus, you feel like you might be in a New England campus. It's got a rolling hill to it, um, beautiful oak trees, and uh, our baseball field is incredibly unique in the sense that it sits right in the middle of campus. And not many, you know, baseball, they're usually off in the corners or sometimes off-site. We are literally right where the entire campus meets in the middle from the library to the dining facility to our athletic facility to the dorms. Everything is built around the baseball field, which is pretty wild. Yeah, no, that sounds really cool. Um, what, you know, you, you again, you touched on it in the beginning, and I think that we've kind of not even danced around it, but really, uh, I think, featured it, uh, the success. But what makes Trinity baseball so special to you? That's a that's a great question. I, I think probably watching these kids, I think the thing I'm most amazed at is every year a season comes to an end and it and it just usually it's an abrupt stop. And, you know, the older guys, maybe the seniors are never going to play and there's you know, usually an emotional component to it. And uh, what I'm what always hits me still at 21 years is that I always think, wow, man, these guys work so hard and they put in insane amount of hours into this craft that you know, they love and they're chasing a dream. And, and that part I'm always blown away with. So I think that's probably my favorite part of what I do is that in the end, I'm always amazed at the effort level and passion that these kids give to the, to this program. Yeah. Um, I, it definitely, I would assume that it shows itself both on and off the field. Um, shifting gears a little bit let's talk about kind of the recruiting process and the recruiting philosophy in general terms um you you, you touched on uh kind of looking for that d1 fringe player um that you know ends up making the decision to play at trinity but what athletic and academic qualities and traits do you typically look for as you're starting your search so I think, you know, we made the commitment years ago and, and the, the recruiting landscape shifted so much in, in the past, I don't know, 10 years or inside of 10 years that I'm not even sure if I'm, I'm keeping up with it per se. Um, mm -hmm. But what, what we made the commitment to a long time ago was using, you know, our, our money to go watch kids play live and make our own notes and our own assumptions. I, I remember years ago, one of the first Stanford camps I went to, Coach Stotts, it was it was small at the time, and he talked to all the coaches, and he he made a, a couple analogies where they missed on some players that became superstars, and he said, you know, in the end, you have to answer to yourself, and so you're best off going out and putting the work in and identifying players and trying to recruit the players that your eyes like. So that's what we've done, and we work really really hard at it, and um, you know athletically we're looking for that kid that's athletic we're looking for a lot of shortstops that feet move well and they show that easy carry across the infield arm has strength or we're looking for a kid with some bat speed and and maybe he's raw but you can see that he can get through a baseball and uh and so we build it that way yeah no that that uh, makes a whole lot of sense um you know you kind of touched on the uh camps that you attend, but what other mechanisms do you use to discover players that are a match for your school? Obviously, you know, you mentioned that um, seeing players hit live is a big thing for you and play live. Um, and I think that's actually pretty unique these days with, you know, all the showcases and, and even just the, um, you know, ways that I know that kids are reaching out through email, through social media platforms and the like. But, um, you know, 
what other kind of mechanisms are you looking for typically? So I think, you know, the, the thing that also has evolved is, you know, high school prospect camps that you run on campus. That's actually helped us yield um, some pretty good players. So that's a kid that actually has interest in Trinity um, mm-hmm. more, more times than the other way around. He He's actually sought us out. So to come to a prospect camp has had some value to it. Um, you know, uh, the, the Arizona fall classic has been a huge tournament for us. Uh, the perfect game tournaments in Texas and Florida have been big. So just getting out and seeing guys live, I'm not a big, uh, video guy and I'm not a big kind of correspondence guy. I wish, you know, division three, you're limited in staff, you're limited in who can Mm -hmm. help and do what. And so you got to kind of pick your poison. And so we've invested most of our time in seeing guys live. Got it. Um, But if I'm a student athlete and I want to connect with your program uh, and let's say I want to connect initially is email the best way to do so. Yeah. Or do you have a, do you have a questionnaire? Yeah, we have we have an athletic questionnaire, but I, I think the direct email is is the easiest way to do it. I think that you know every morning, um, whether whether it be myself or one of our assistant coaches, we're looking through email to start the day, and um, you know, seeing if guys match academically or jump off the page with what they're telling us, or maybe we've seen them before. I mean, certainly that happens as well. Um, some combination of that, but email seems to be the most efficient way for us to handle it. Um, yeah, no, that, that seems pretty typical. And and so I would assume then in that case that an introductory email that has, uh, you know, expresses interest in the program, that's genuine interest and not a form letter, um, not a letter written by parents, uh, would probably be the most helpful as well as kind of connecting and saying, this is where I'm going to be, um, at this time. Correct. Yes. No question The the, the schedule and where they're going to be is key because that way, you know, we're able to cross check it and see where we're going to be. And oftentimes, again, it really does match up where you can see a guy that's inquired about your program. And, uh, and also a hundred percent, right. Like the, the email just needs to be authentic and genuine. Um, and, and I think those ones jump out at you, you know, you get it, you end up doing it so long that you get a feel for how a really good player writes, as opposed to a kid that might really just want to maybe play college baseball. That That's what we deal with. A lot of guys that, they don't even really know what college baseball means. And so they're real smart kids. They're academic. They think they might want to play a little college baseball. But, you know, this is this is definitely the way we run it. This is a huge commitment uh, to pursue baseball at Trinity. Yeah, no, that's terrific. Um, you know, if I know that uh, I'm a student athlete and I'm a match, i.e., you know, and you, you again, you already kind of talked about this in regards to fit. It's kind of a almost a cliche and a buzzword, but you know, the way we look at it at college baseball matches, the match process would be, uh, do you meet the minimum requirements from an athletic standpoint and academic standpoint? You know, do you fit those, those measurements, um, you know, as, as they're kind of divided out among the different levels. And then if you do, and you've connected, how do you at Trinity help me discover whether or not I'm the right fit for your program? How do I know I'm, I'm a, I'm a Trinity baseball player. Yeah, so I think I think when you start getting to those steps, you know, you, you're starting to clear the other hurdles. So I always say, you know, three hurdles mm-hmm. to play to to end up. If you're finally at Trinity, there's three hurdles: can you play here, can you get into school, can you afford it? And uh, I would say the one that that knocks most people down is can they get into school? 
And then the next one that stops the process is can they afford it? Um, usually, um, based on um, you know our effort to go see guys and then uh, programs that we trust, like a college match, or there are others that that we can work with. Um, usually, at that point, um, you know we've identified that the kid can play here. So the first hurdle when we're really talking to a kid, the first hurdle is usually answered, and then it's up to the next two hurdles. Can you get into school? Can you afford it? Mm, mm-hmm. And so let's say that I've discovered that I am a fit and that there is a mutual fit. Can you kind of outline the process of, of getting to a final decision? Yeah, I think it's uh, it for us. It's, it's, uh, it's getting accepted. It's then getting the package. It's, it's the parents and the kid understanding that this is the school they want to go to. Then it's kind of turning back to us and saying, this is where we want to go. And then, you know, with a player that, that we've been recruiting, we're pretty fired up when it gets to that point because now we've got the next wave of player that's going to come in and hopefully continue the, you know, the program's tradition. Um, one interesting thing is I always tell recruits that Division three is completely different, in my opinion, than Division one and two. Division one and two, mm-hmm. the coach is choosing the player. I would say to you, hey, this is what I can give you. This is the final package. I'm going to give you, you know, seven, eight days, whatever for you to decide. And then both parties have to move on in division three. The way we do it is we throw everything out on the table, try and explain to a kid how the programs run, what the classes are like, the educational value of Trinity, you know, on and on and on. And in the end, that kid and family will kind of fine tooth comb it and then go, yeah, we, we want to come to Trinity, but they're choosing Trinity um, not so much the other way around, if that makes sense. No, that, that absolutely makes sense. That's very interesting. Uh, that's an interesting perspective and shift. Um, I think from, as you said, what, what people most often think, um, you know, kind of shifting gears once more, we're going to kind of go into our closing nine section of the podcast. That okay. would be nine questions, uh, meant to be kind of fun and a sentence or less an answer. So we'll start with number one, which is what time do you typically wake up in the morning? I'm usually about six thirty, seven a.m. taking my son to school. Favorite baseball movie? I'd have to say Field of Dreams. Favorite baseball player growing up? Rick Burleson. I'm not sure who knows him, but he played for the Boston Red Sox, and he was a strong arm shortstop. I loved him. If you were to choose one person to play you in a movie, who would it be? That one, I, that's amazing. Um, maybe a, maybe a, being a Boston guy, maybe a cross between Robert Duvall and Mark Wahlberg. That's a good answer. <laughs> um, sunflower seeds, David or Spitz? I'm going to go original. No flavor, David's, nothing on it. Okay. Uh, DH or no DH? DH all the way. I'm an offensive guy. Who is the most talented player you've ever coached, played with, or played against? I would have to say the 1999 Cattellier season when we had uh, Chase Utley. He was a freshman, and he was just shockingly phenomenal. So it, it's without a doubt him. And so how many months uh, or, I guess, weeks did you coach him? That would be, you know, from the beginning of June until maybe the second week of August. And, and for those that aren't aware of the Cape Cod League, how many like how many games would you say you you would coach them in? So you're looking at probably uh, 
five to six games a week. They probably have about a 40 to 44 game schedule. And then you go to the playoffs. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's the nation's top collegiate league. It's, they have an amazing stat that says one out of every six players that play in the major leagues came through the Cape league. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. For, for, for those that don't know, it's, it's a, a, a very, very, High caliber. I mean, you have scout. I mean, it basically all of baseball, professional and collegiate, descends upon you know the Cape Cod, and it's a it's a very big deal. So that's pretty cool. I can, I can imagine that seeing Chase Utley that young would have been amazing. Yep, it really was. It stayed with me, you know, all these years. Um. All right. So it's Game Seven of the World Series. Bottom nine with runners in scoring position. Who, past or present, do you want in the batter's box? I, I guess I go back to my Boston roots. I got to go with David Ortiz. Well, that's all we have for today. If you haven't already done so, we highly recommend you go on our website, fill out a profile, update your current profile, and just explore. The recruiting process is about information gathering, and that's what we strive to do to provide you the best information possible so you can make the best possible decision. Now, you can either follow us on social media or email us at support at collegebaseballmatch.com with any questions you may have about the process. 